New Models is a pro-complexity media outlet that examines how digital structures are shaping art, tech, politics, and pop culture. On our podcast, we speak with people who are thinking critically about the structures that organize our world and offering new ways of living in it. In this episode, our guest is Z from Black Socialists of America, an old acquaintance of mine who I was both surprised and not surprised to find out was behind the organization. Established in 2017, BSA is a 501c nonprofit organization of anti-capitalist Black Americans who believe in the core principles of socialism as defined by Karl Marx. If activism on the big stack is wearing you down, this is a really hopeful episode because more than any other groups in this space, BSA is really doing it right with their voice, tactics, and educational initiatives, both online and off. I'm Lil Internet, joined by New Models co-founder Caroline Busta and artist Daniel Keller. Our guest is Z from Black Socialists of America, and let's get right into it. I got some bootleg sour gummy flavored jewel pods when I was back in America and I'm like polluting the studio. so awful. Extremely vile. <laughs> Anyways, we have Z from Black Socialists of America joining us today. Um, someone we've been hoping to get on for a, a little while and really happy. Uh, we have him I'm joining us. I'm happy to us. be here, y'all. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, do you want to give us maybe just like we really don't like getting bogged down in, in like too much stuff that people can find anywhere else, but you want to give us a really the elevator pitch of how uh, you started the organization? I, I started uh, the Black Socialists of America Twitter page in December of 2017, and I, I made a f- Facebook and Instagram pages as well. And it basically, I actually started it in response to seeing the the response that Ta-Nehisi Coates or, the, or that Cornel West got for critiquing Ta-Nehisi Coates from black liberals. Um, Cornel West calls them the black liberal elite. So that's, that's a, a nice little <laughs> phrase I like to use. But yeah, I, I saw the response he got from that and I was just like, you know, this is kind of ridiculous, like that there isn't a platform for for black American leftists, for black American socialists, anti-capitalists or whatever. And, you know, I said, you know, I'm going to change that, you know, um, at least create a space, a forum um, for black American leftists to to share their views. And, you know, I started by basically curing you know, just taking pictures and videos and sort of showing people the history of, of black American socialism, which goes all the way back to the late um, 1800s with Peter H. Clark and, and uh, would-be and, t- you know, plenty of others. And this sort of, uh, this online community started to develop really tiny or rather, a network of a Black American leftists all you know all across the U.S. and it sort of went from 
just being like, let's have a, a platform or form for black American leftists to let's actually, you know, make this a thing. And the quote thing initially was really just pushing on education and and having an education focus, which we still do have. And we're going to we're going to continue to develop on, you know, as long as we're as long as we're going. But then it but then it kind of got kicked up a notch when we partnered up with Cooperation Jackson and it well it was a, it was a mix of our platform growing very rapidly and us you know pairing up with Cooperation Jackson and what's Cooperation Jackson uh Cooperation Jackson is a, a federation of predominantly uh black owned worker cooperatives in Jackson Mississippi so it was it was just it was basically just me on social media uh, at the beginning. And it was out of that that sort of small collective that some of the core people um, who are, you know, pretty much about it, put time, energy and resources into to turning BSA into a, a real organization. You know, those folks are still, you know, with us today. And just basically, you know, we decided let's just let's just try to fill the voids here and the voids. To me, and to you know, pretty much everyone in the organization have have really been in education, and not just like in the general sense of like throwing books at people, but actually uh, simplifying these really dense concepts without oversimplifying. Really making a lot of social, making socialist theory not just accessible, but interfacing with popular culture, interfacing with current events, not having it just be this this thing in the ivory towers of higher academia and then you know next to education institution building um democratic enterprise building that that's obviously the most intimidating thing for for most people but it's necessary if we if we're serious about challenging capital if we're we're serious about dismantling you know challenging capitalist relations and ultimately dismantling the capitalist state. I mean, I know, especially in, in, in uh, you see it more in the kind of circles of, of an identity politics of, of this idea that uh, people shouldn't have to under, shouldn't have to do the labor of educating other people. And, uh, and <laughs> that was always something that kind of like, there's one side of it I understand because it must be exhausting kind of, you know, in the instance of... It's very like, exhausting. Right, but, but at the but same... But we're all going to die, so... Exactly. You know. and, and at the same time, I think that, you know, in, ter- in terms of activism <laughs> to ever reach across or actually change minds... It's, I mean, education is, is just a, a form of labor activists have kind of always had to, to take on, I, I yeah. think. And I, I really do think that was one thing that I noticed that set you all apart uh, immediately to me is that, mm-hmm. I mean, your education is, is really, really effective in bringing, making these ideas accessible and reaching out and bringing people in. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to slam postmodernism too hard here but i think that's a part of uh that's an element of what you're what you're speaking to here i mean pairing that you know that type of thinking with the fact that we're we've been conditioned by this by a hyper individualistic society and i mean that that's just kind of you know it's not it's not there's a there's an expression that i like to use which is you know it's not fair but it's required 
you know and yeah. that's i mean that's that's pretty much being black in america if i'm keeping it real oh, with right. you I, you know yeah. a lot of people you know want to look out for their own mental health and their own whatever but i'm again like we're we're literally facing the extinction of the entire human species so yeah. i'm i'm kind of of the mindset got to got to do what you got to do at this point you know I mean, the crisis of postmodernism was a fragmentation of realities. So everyone's yeah. living in there. Yeah. We talk about, you know, always on this cast, we're always talking about how, oh, big platforms atomize us. They make us unable to see each other clearly. But actually, that is the crisis of postmodernism from the 80s, yeah. I mean, 70s. You know, as soon as, yeah. as soon as things started revolving around individuals as opposed to communities. You know, the fact, one thing that's really impressive to me is you guys will use thinkers which sometimes exist only in the domain of academia, and yet you present it like as though it's as normal as talking about some pop cultural reference. <laughs> and you sort of, you're like, this is like, I'm sorry, but what this person is saying is really dope. And here it is very plainly, you pull out the key yeah. quote, and you're like, look, this is actually useful to you. And like, yes. look, isn't it cool? I feel like there's this sanctimonious treatment oh, yeah. of like academic <laughs> texts and figures and, or there's this dismissal like, oh, Chomsky, well, he's this popular philosopher. Let me tell you about this obscure one. You're like, well, he's obviously an effective communicator considering he's like America's only public intellectual. So yes, yeah. like, let's, like, let's listen to what he has to say, actually. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I really appreciate that mode of address you guys use. Yeah, I, I, I can't speak for other people in, in BSA, but, you know, me personally, I'm very inspired by the open access movement. I'm very inspired by Aaron Swartz. You know, I've actually I actually put out a tweet one time about Aaron Swartz through the BSA account in reference to JSTOR. And... You I mean, know, I, I, I think Primer and Aaron Schwartz is. Too, I mean, I know who he is, I but I'm like older. I feel like that's a new, new model's territory, but we can yeah, yeah. But I mean, Aaron Schwartz, he, I mean, he committed suicide after being uh, facing federal prison time for trying to yeah. download all of JSTOR and open it to the <laughs> for public. everyone, which is yeah. JSTOR being for oh, European, the academic, right, journal, an academic database. journal database, right? And this was like yeah. 2012 that he committed suicide, or yeah. later 2014. I forget, I don't remember that. but sometime in this time, pre-Trump. Yeah. Anyway, for those yeah. who are younger listening to this cast. Yeah, and and you know it's you know the the core thing to just take away from that is just make again it comes back to accessibility and not again I, I gotta say you know I feel like there are people in ac higher academia again I, I, I said before you know we're all conditioned by the capitalist system in this hyper individualistic society and I, and I think a lot of leftists think that they're not a part of that I mean I know colonized thinking colonization decolonization that's like a big trendy you know buzzworthy thing out there but i don't i don't think people think about it in terms of themselves a lot and so i think that that carries on over into again this tendency for some people to obscure the truth the information when when the whole entire fucking point is to get it out there to people yes so that they can change their lives and 
so we don't all die. <laughs> no, I, have a, I have a question. I just like what what's I'm going to the... keep putting it that way by the way because <laughs> yeah. it's a very no, I, very you know it's a very existential thing we that always, we're, you know we there's a very existential that. element to what we're talking about here. Very into that. We like to talk about the insect apocalypse specifically because somehow that is like <laughs> Dan does cuz Dan I'm... has stick insects and feels No, uh-huh. they're all dead now. All my stick insects <laughs> de- my subletters didn't get them bramble and the last two survivors but the, before they died they laid tons of eggs so there's some hope of a, of a renaissance sick insect, renaissance. but no i did i did see some statistics today from like the international spectator that uh 53 percent of butterflies have died in the last decade and like 30 percent of beetles are yeah like i so, say there are yeah. now more monarch butterfly tramp stamp tattoos than there are monarch butterflies <laughs> in america right but what, what i was gonna ask is just like what is what's the ideal pipeline for you from someone who's like totally uninitiated stumbling across your material into like full-fledged socialist activist like what's the process what's the what's the hook how does it work i want to keep some stuff save some stuff like uh you know for a surprise essentially but i can speak to it in a general sense you know uh i think one thing that we're doing and that our partners are doing is we're using technology outside of social media social media is like obviously that's like the huge entry point that's how a lot of people are finding us right now and um actually we're we're also cool with i don't are you guys familiar with means tv they're a cooperative production Mm -mm. um company based out of detroit they're the ones who did aoc's uh viral campaign oh and you know what i did just hear about them because i'm i'm yeah from Metro yeah, so there, there's some, there's some homies of ours, and the common thread, you know, through all of our organizations and our partners is we're using technology again. That ties back into the the accessibility conversation, um, but we're also we're also doing it in terms. We're doing it on the back end, you know. So um, BSA is I'm gonna keep it real. Right now, it's it's black you know uh develop you know developers web developers iOS, android app developers engineers programmers and we're trying to politicize uh this movement called the solidarity economy movement and i don't know if you guys are familiar with that or if you're familiar with the municipalist movement nope tell Um, us but but it's basically people organizations and coalitions federations of worker co-ops that are basically pushing on this this concept or idea of economic democracy or economic solidarity. Essentially, what we're doing through BSA is we're getting people up to speed with where, you know, worker co-ops are in the U.S. Worker co-ops aren't the entire thing here. They're just they're one tool. But they're in my opinion, they're they're the starting point because you're you're, you're contextualizing for poor and working class people what the sh- what the shift is what the change is it's workers controlling the means of production at the at the micro level right but the thing to remember about worker co-ops is that while it's technically socialist from an internal standpoint in terms of external relations you know a lot of groups or enterprises that don't even see what they're doing as socialist in a way right mm-hmm. but the other, our other partners are symbiosis and what they're doing is they're they're basically they're pulling in all of these organizations, all of these these local initiatives from all around the world and basically creating, put together a Congress of what they call municipal movements. And when we say, you know, municipal, we're talking about cities, we're talking about, 
counties. We're, we're talking about having poor and working class people s- sort of focus on things at, at a where they're at, essentially. But not having all of these focuses be fragmented, having them all these connected to a network where we can we can support each other and we can start to you know build right. dual power. I mean, yeah. one one thing that's interesting to me here is when we look back at the 2016 election, you know, one of the analysis was you see you see cultural identity used as a resource for community building, but oftentimes in negative ways. So you see working class Mm -hmm. people in the Midwest saying, oh, you're white, I'm white, so we're going to like hate everyone who's not white, and then we're going to vote for the guy who embraces that mentality. And Mm -hmm. what is interesting is that I see you, you know, Black Socialists of America, you use identity as a resource to make people feel comfortable with embracing new political language. So it's Uh like, okay, we're going to send out a signal that says we're a community because we, you know, like we have, you know, a certain experience of the world. And then, okay, in that space, like we're going to share a new kind of language. We're going to say, wait, what you're doing is already socialism. Like we're going to use this language to say, wait a minute, our community already understands what this is. We just need to have the language come from us and not from some external source. And so I think that's cool that you guys have like, I mean, because there's a, you know, like it, it, it specifically, it does play on identity. I mean, Dan, you were saying there's like other socialist groups, like you're, you know, Jewish Socialists of America or like whatever. I mean, and so in some ways it's an interesting organic way that when, you know, the next election cycle comes around, it's like you're going to trust people in your community, not just like be subject to whatever the Facebook feeds are. Resistance to atomization. I mean, if you look back. Exactly. Uh, I mean, the black, the, didn't the black Panthers, they teamed up with some kind of like uh, working young class organization and, and the young yeah. lords. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, we're talking about the rainbow coalition. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's a core part of what, of what we're doing. You know, that that's, that's real solidarity to me. And, and I, I got to say, Marx, t- you know, talked about the importance. Things, things have been divided for a long time. But when things, when, in the, when you see it in the rise of fascism and when you see this heightened sense of divide and conquer, that what you don't do is just ignore the divisions that are there and you don't ignore voices that are less represented and have less institutional power in society. What you do is you... You know, you work through the divisions in self-determination to ensure that people have control of, of their own communities, but they're also standing side by side. You know, people use this expression identity politics, and, you know, we have to be specific about what kind of identity politics we're talking about. You know, liberal identity politics is, that's that's division. You're, you're sowing division to basically sheepdog people into capitalist Yes. You know, yes. whatever institutions or parties or when you're, you know, building on this, again, this rainbow coalition concept, which, you know, we 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 get from the Black Panther Party um, and it's heavily associated with Fred Hampton. It, it's about, again, having us all see the humanity in one another. You understand? Liberals tend to take this this rhetoric that paints us as victims you know we say we've we've been right. victimized but we're not victims we're human beings when when someone says you're a victim then it's suddenly oh you're helpless and and yeah. you need to have like a cop come in and mediate and like exactly that's something we're getting exactly. to a second but yeah what do you I, th- I think that there's this sort of like 
there's sort of like this reflexive impulse to resist the neoliberal atomization to go for this like an unconditional universalist approach. But I can see the benefit in sort of leveraging those identity differences that do exist without, you know, emphasizing them and trying to sort of accentuate them. But I do see like, yeah, there does, I, I get why there are ethnic socialist organizations and yeah. there is some, you know, there is some need for you know, smaller groupings, not just well, well, the biggest scale. Well, history shows us that white leftists don't, you know, don't really give a fuck about black people at the end of the day. When yeah, we, Nina when Turner. We, when we, they're better, but our needs don't get heard. Our interests, you know, don't get heard. We have to acknowledge white supremacy, essentially. We have to acknowledge that it's it's white supremacy as a system, right? The Nina Turner, like you posted a, bu a bunch about Nina Turner. Nina Turner was an Ohio state senator. And a lot of people know her through her support for Bernie Sanders in, in 2016. She, she basically talks about liberals who essentially are, you know, act like Donald Trump created racism, you know, and she, and she's saying racism, white supremacy, systemic racism is, is in the blood of this, you know, this country. That is what this country is, is founded on. Again, you, you, you sort of see the underpinnings in terms of how, how liberals, you know, use racism and, and the, the positioning of black Americans in this country to, to sort of push their political interests or lines, which have absolutely nothing to do with actually dismantling the mechanisms and socioeconomic system that feeds off of racism, right? Um, capitalism is what I'm talking about for anyone who, who was wondering. Um, <laughs> Well, first of all, I think a lot of white people have binary zero sum, sum type thinking. It's like if if black people have any sort of autonomy or self agency or something that it's like they want to take over the world or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I remember in the first few months of like BSA really sort of getting some buzz, people just being like, why aren't you a part of DSA? Why don't we set this up so BSA is a pipeline to DSA? And it's like you're you're not under like you're not yeah. understanding the entire point, the entire purpose of our organization. You're not under you're not understanding I understand where they're coming from. They they want more black people in the organization and more involvement there. But you know, a, a core tenet of, of what we're pushing on is giving people resources and tools to liberate themselves, you know. Ella Baker has this awesome quote where she's she's essentially saying that, you know, strong strong people don't need strong leaders, you know. We have to, you know, set things up in a way that people can handle things, you know, the the best way that they know how, where they're at, not have, you know, anybody trying to impose or basically create a situation where people's needs get uh, dismissed or overlooked and that's that's sort of one of the things like we all want that awesome multicultural society in the end if any place can and should be that it's you know it's here in the united states you know given the history but at the end of the day there are systemic issues that are connected to race that are connected to identity that aren't being dealt with right well what i think is what i think is really Im important and significant about what you're doing is I mean, you're really recognizing the problems of identity, recognizing structural racism and white supremacy, but at the same time, never engaging in a competitive, which hence is neoliberal anyways, yeah. sort of framework. Yeah, it's it's about creating those inroads, creating those 
those paths for solidarity. That that's what it's supposed to be about at the end of the day. You know, solidarity like we're, we're seems not, like a dirty we're not word do recently this alone. Too. We all have to do this with each other. But black people have been, you know, we've been we've been asking for certain things for a very long time. And the American left has just has a historical tendency to want to just skip over it. They don't want to reconcile with certain things. They don't want to deal with certain things. I think the person who most informs that or has most informed that for us has been, you know, Huey P. Newton. And, you know, and there's tons of lessons to be learned from from the Black Panther Party and a lot of Huey P. Newton's, you know, writings on intercommunalism. And, you know, we're an internationalist organization. And so the, the approach that we're talking about here is is very much heavily tied to that internationalist spirit. But, of course, the the challenges and the dynamics here in the United States are particular. And so the, the takeaway from, from this part of the conversation is it, it is about recognizing white, the system of white supremacy and, and how it's conditioned all of us. It's not, it's not just white people um, that are conditioned by this. It's, it's all of us. We, need, we still haven't even had a real conversation about race in this country. I mean, in the most fundamental way. I mean, people right. say, oh, race is a social construct. And a lot of people say that, but they don't, I don't even think a lot of people really understand what that means. They, they don't really understand what a farce race is. They don't understand that it, we're, li- we're living by a made up thing. That, right. and, and we as black Americans die and suffer by it. It's not just for any reason. It's so, it's so that the predominantly white, you know, capitalist class here in the U.S. can, you know, give that what, you know, W.E.B. Du Bois called the psychological wage to poor <laughs> working class people, white people, you know, to, to, so, so they, don't, they don't even think to fundamentally challenge the, the, the socioeconomic system that all of us are in, well, you know? apropos to that, I mean, I think when we talk about, say, white supremacy, I mean, I think one of the major problems is that, you know, yes, there's like a certain faction of edgelord old white guys who probably get off on like having a white cap in their closet or something, but like uh-huh. 95% of people who still act in racist ways, and I mean, I'm a white person, I'm sure there are ways that I am racist without even knowing it, like, you uh-huh. know, don't it, like it, they always look at someone else when they think the word white supremacy, they don't see it as a systemic situation yeah, exactly. that they implicitly are a part of. Like, I am part of that. I'm a white person yeah. who's had privilege just because of that. And like, yeah. you know, I think that 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 it's easy to just say, well, you know, I have black friends or I have this or, you know, I, I, I understand that there's racism in this country. So it's constantly displaced. I mean, yeah. I, I also think it's a it's a problem of scope, and I think another thing you do really well is you're you're incredibly scope aware in in terms of your activism, and it's like I I think we really need to go. I think there's another problem of platforms again is reducing everything down to the scale of the individual. Like we yeah. really need to start approaching these these issues on a structural a structural level and start attacking the structures. Because first of all, what it yeah. does is it separates people from feeling individually attacked, right? right? Because yeah. if you if you point at someone and say, you're a white supremacist, they're likely to actually just go, fuck it, you already said I am, I might as well yeah. join yeah. the alt-right, right? But if you say yes. the structure is white supremacist, right. like this is how it operates and this yes. is what you can do to help, you're much more likely to have success in dismantling that structure if you th- are able to think on a structural scope. 
Like, you're, you're, I mean, you're, you're saying it, you're saying it all right now. I mean, I was, I was going to say it earlier, you know, you know, you're, you use this word atomization. You know, I think the, the social media is a huge part of that. I mean, we, when I first started the, the social media pages, I wish there was, you know, there was a way I could do this, you know, this work without anybody knowing who I am. You know, I knew that this can't be a thing where we're elevating individuals, where we're elevating the individual. I mean, I understand that because of, you know, black radical history history in this country, you know, and, and understanding the mistakes, you know, that folks in the Black Panther Party made and, and all the, the dynamics that go into that. But, you know, I think it has been this tendency driven by social media and driven largely, you know, the bigger picture is is the capitalist system, you know, for individuals to just get into things for themselves in a very egotistical, short-sighted way. You know, in, in, in Twitter and Facebook and social media, it, it rewards that. But mm-hmm. it's like, I feel like BSA is, be- I guess our social media presence is sort of like, a, in a way, it's an experiment experiment of what happens when we as leftists use them as tools to inform people in a way that will allow them to challenge their own thinking and eventually challenge the the capitalist system. I've shared this um, quote from uh, Afini Shakur, Tupac's mother, through the platform where, you know, she says, sometimes we can be so anti, you know, everything. and, and, And then she says, I want us to be more pro than we are anti, more pro what the solution is than anti what the problem is you have to be anti what the problem is but if you're not giving people an alternative if you're not showing people an alternative if you're not building the alternative in a prefigurative fashion to where people can look at it and go oh fuck yeah i want this in my life you know what i mean i want this for the world if you're not if you're not doing that then you're not doing shit in in my opinion and individuals um Individuals with power is always a problem, right? Individuals yeah, are also, also they're or... also a risk, <laughs> yeah. like, right? They're either they have, they have, they're exploitable, they aren't as resilient, they have flaws. An individual could fall and take a whole like and really damage exactly. a wider uh, structure in, in, in their fall. And I think if, if you know you can cancel individuals, organizations is a little bit different. And exactly. I think we need to get the jump as leftists on yeah. organizing on communal Twitter accounts. Yeah. Uh, but before the, the right catches on, I think, because they're yeah. very atomized right now, I think. But Dan, you yeah. had something? Yeah, I just wanted to talk more practically about like politics, electoral politics. Or, like, um, what's the biggest challenge? Yeah, well, instance, I mean, like, like w- is it worth... Yeah. I mean, are you endo- are you endorsing <laughs> candidates? Is there something to be done within the Democratic Party, AOC? I don't Bernie? I don't know if y'all are gonna like what I'm gonna have to say on this. But say I'm gonna, it. I'm gonna say it. <laughs> you know, we have to look at the popular political institutions as they stand now. You know, they're in the the liberal quote representative democracy framework. That essentially means they're in a capitalist framework, right? So people understand the basic notion of oh, money runs politics. So the the basic idea here is that talking about electoral politics, we're talking about political parties. The only thing that's going to be a serious force or challenge in that world is something that is sitting on top of the base, as as Marx described it, in base and superstructure. The superstructure being the the political party. It has to have roots tied in democratic economic you know, relations. Now, of course, we do not have that. We do not have that in the U.S. So 
for the time being, what we advocate for are non-reformist reforms and people who, who are going to get us those non-reformist reforms. Now, what do you mean you by ask, that? What do you mean by non-reformist reforms specifically? There are ref, reforms that aren't put up to reform capitalism, right? To, to maintain, maintain capitalism, but are rather going to strengthen poor and working class people. The Black Panthers use an expression, survival pending revolution, right? There are certain reforms that are not non-reformist reforms. They're reforms that lend themselves to, you know, locking us in deeper in this, into this, you know, this capitalist system. But, you know, something like universal health care, I'm not going to get into specifics of legislation, but just the general idea of universal health care or legislation that subsidizes or incentivizes the startup of worker self-directed enterprises. Things like these, they help us in our our plan as poor and working class anti-capitalists to ultimately dismantle the capitalist system. So, I mean, if you know, if you're looking at poor and working class, those are the groups that are with AI mechanization. They're the most vulnerable to not having a place yes. in the workforce. What is yes. the thinking about, or is there any like, you know, future like fantasy or accelerationist thinking about how that those people who will be disenfranchised by this, you know, by this development, how they might be remobilized? I mean, maybe this is like Afrofuturist or I don't know, or what do you think? I think there's a, a bit of a misconception about what 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 part of the the labor force AI is putting out of business? Yeah, to say. There's a lot of you know like okay, for instance, janitor work that's not going away. There's not going right. to be robots and doing that. It's actually white collar work. Yeah. It's lawyers. It's radiologists. Yeah. Right. It's stuff that can be replaced by kind of that's data true. sorting algorithms. So it's I think like well, the question also drivers is kind of, though. Well, also drivers, truck drivers are a big one. Yeah, sure, but um, but that that's not yet. That's also like yeah. that's kind of in the pipeline. Yeah. The things that are happening now, it's it's white collar. You're saying work. it's gonna hit like middle. It's and hitting middle like class people now. Working that's working class at the same right. The work, just, working class are not. They're definitely not having any kind of material improvement in their lives because of automation. But they're not being directly hit. Right. So I do wonder, like, what kind of politics is gonna appeal to the disenfranchised middle class? And I mean, that's where you see Trump populism. I think exactly. That's the kind of politics that that addresses the, the, that kind of disenfranchisement. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I I wanted to say though, you know, BSA as an organization, you know, we have limited resources, so we're we're using those resources, we're putting those resources towards things outside of electoral politics. There's already a lot of plenty of organizations. You know, there's this whole drama with with uh, DSA because they are basically trying to create this national infrastructure for like a Bernie 2020 thing. And it's like, he, he already has <laughs> Bernie, Bernie already has that whole thing set up. Right. So it's like, I think we need to be, we need to be putting, I'm saying in an organizational context towards the more long-term strategy that I'm talking about here, the more, you know, the macro vision. Um, but you know, in terms of what individuals do and how they uh, engage with electoral politics, I think the first thing to keep in mind is that the, the focus should be local, right? The focus yeah. should be whether it's city council or, or whatever, you know, actually, actually engaging in a, in a uh, localized way. Another part sp specifically with um, that cooperation Jackson is, is focusing on our, our people's assemblies. You know, so we have to, we have to start developing new political institutions and mechanisms 
that can essentially give us direct democracy, give poor and working class people a means to take hold of different things in, in their communities, instead of it having be this vote or die, <laughs> you know, liberal, whatever, I don't, I don't even know what to call it. The type of change that we want to see isn't going isn't gonna to be top down. Why wait when, when we can, you know, we have enough, you know, outside of that political world to sort of structure things differently and, and take matters into our own hands. Well, I mean, one thing um, I think shouldn't be underestimated, and I remember, like, I was involved in Occupy. I think I've said this a thousand times on the cast. It's okay, so. I love your old <laughs> Arca- <laughs> Occupy war it's stories. Like Ten years old, it's terrible. <laughs> Back in Occupy. Back in Occupy. They were telling you, what's our message? And no, but I mean, it's like, I, I think that it shouldn't be underestimated, the ability to, to capture the imagination of a group of people that feel identified with a certain spirit and voice, right? And I think that like, you know, BSA, it sounds like it's a really a grassroots organization. It's not coming from inner Washington. And in some ways, it's enough that you're putting out a clear signal through an incredibly noisy and like trenchant, you know, political mediascape. And then there obviously are people, whether it's aligned with Bernie or, you know, Ocasio or, you know, any of the other state politicians that are thinking on a policy basis. And like, maybe it's enough to be a communicator, to be enough to be like a node where you just have people's collective attention. You know, it's kind of like a good band. Like no one was asking like like some punk band to like tell them what the state, you know, the union should be. But people could feel <laughs> like identified with this signal. And like, maybe that's enough. New Models operates through our central aggregator site, newmodels.io. Consider setting us as your homepage. And if you have any suggestions or tips for content that should be on our radar, please send it to us, whether on social media, our site, or by emailing desk at newmodels.io. In addition to the free premium podcast like the one you're listening to now, we have an unscripted, unedited, conversational, dirt-style podcast from New Models and Friends, available just for our Patreon community. To join the community that keeps new models running, visit patreon.com slash new models. I mean, that's a that's a good pivot because I think we do want to get into talking about pop culture and culture a bit too yeah, and where we sure. can go with that. But before <laughs> I have one last point, I mean, I think we, we don't really like what we call triple A's, which is appeal to authority activists. And we don't uh-huh. really like cops. Um, yeah. And we do see, though, a lot of uh, sort of left activism these days, uh, especially when it comes to a, around language, like uh, mm-hmm. appealing to terms of service on platforms or appealing to cops and authority to kind of protect them or something. Uh, well, we, we, we've kind of always been partial to, to black leftist activists because of that skepticism towards policing as being a solution but to me i personally i just can't separate policing from sort of uh, authoritarian power structures or from a power structure i can trust right you know yeah yeah and i feel like it should be the communities it should be the response if if you're actually kind of a, a left a leftist activist like policing should be kind of a communal thing undertaken 
by the community like if somebody friends. steps out of like, line instead yeah, of always call, appealing to these external authorities. Right. Calling what? in as opposed to calling out. Cute. Right, that's yeah, a great that's way a great of phrasing it. it. This is yeah. sort of tangential to that, but I remember there was like a kind of a big controversy because there was some DSA marketing pamphlet that had an illustration of like I think a cop and a soldier also as being potential members of DSA. <laughs> and there was all this yeah. internal division of whether or not they should be trying to appeal to those people. And it's just like, are they imagining a society where like we no longer have cops or any type of military force? Like, I, I think we should definitely be having socialists in the police force. Like that should yeah. be an explicit well, that's goal. Yeah. I mean, like in, yeah. in Germany, I mean, granted, I'm a white woman in Germany, like who, who whatever, so a special situation. But there's such different way that cops are here to me than even in the US. And again, I'm a white woman, like who's like, oh. you know, like, and I'm a pretty, like, I'm not like a usual suspect, but it's like, Cops here, like, they don't present as, like, this authority that's, like, out to get you. Whereas in the States, uh, like, you're almost already wrong. Uh, I got I got handcuffed yeah. and, oh, you and did. Put, that's put in a cell for running a red light on my bike in Germany. I, mean, so. I got a ticket for giving somebody the finger. So. Okay, so oh, they actually, got a ticket for giving someone the finger. So $150 okay. fine. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Never. <laughs> yeah. Maybe France. Is there some? France there is some, awful. France is the most racist European cops state. ever. Oh, okay. They all. I cops just, are I, racist. I have this theory that some European cops must just be like, no, I'm a, I, I Engli- live okay, in a social Eng- democracy. English cops are pretty non-threatening, I will say. They don't, wimps. Because, well, they don't have they're weapons. <laughs> I mean, And they're trained not to kill wait, people. They don't ever kill anyone. Maybe and even German cops don't have weapons either, unless they're part of a certain they special. They have guns. No, a lot of some guns. guns. Some do. But guns. maybe Swiss a better cops? way to frame this question is how maybe how how does BSA deal with sort of these questions around language, or if somebody is you know saying something out of ignorance, and you know the the common reaction would be to appeal to TOS, get them reported, yeah. banned, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, is there a better structure than this sort of cancel, call-out structure you're seeing? How do you guys deal with canceling? Yeah, how, how, how are you all ap- approaching sort of this, the, the cancel craze? Or as we also, another new model's glossary term, sport politic of uh, the <laughs> yeah. online platform space. You can kind of tell, you know, what leftists are like in the real world in a sense i don't know i I was i was raised in a fundamentalist christian household i was raised in a southern baptist church so i see a lot of parallels between some of what you're talking about and some of what i lived through right at at least in the church there was the that idea of forgiveness um but outside of (laughs) out here now there, there really isn't any uh forgiveness i mean you see some people you know, talk about, you know, restorative justice and the importance of not, you know, dehumanizing, you know, not hu- not humanizing to to enable perpetrators or people who are, do- you know, doing fucked up shit, but at the same time, not creating this framing to where, you know, you fuck up once and you're just tossed out. <laughs> you know, in the in the in the trash or wh- or whatever it is, we have no framework of forgiveness right now. It's I completely think. inconsistent about who gets forgiven, what yeah, is forgivable, no, no, no. what is extrajudicial. Absolutely, Twitter check mark direct line to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but what I I remember I put out a tweet I think last year where I said something along the lines of you know focus you want to focus less on policing language. 
and more on changing people's thinking, right? You want to change people's thought processes, have them understand where you're where you're at, not just where you're coming from, actually have them have them understand what you're talking about, understand why, you know, what they're saying doesn't work or why it might be wrong. You kind of have to you have to finesse it. Yeah, I mean, cops um, aren't good advertisers. That's the issue, of course. <laughs> like, yeah. But also, yeah. I mean, it's work. Like, going back to what we were saying in the beginning, I mean, like, yeah. you know, explaining to people is work. And, like, I have to say, when I think of this educated middle, upper middle class, majority white, who is so afraid to, like, make, you know, who's always nagging everybody, always canceling everybody, so afraid to actually share their knowledge, all I can think of is, okay, they feel like their future is dim because they don't have a path through capital, so they're going to suddenly, like, hold all their knowledge behind, like, a metal door Well, you're talking about educated it. people with, with few prospects who end up kind of exerting the power of their education by canceling like other canceling people, other who, people don't who don't know and like saying like I'm not going to explain this to you if you don't know it and I'm like what a waste of a $90,000 liberal art school with education <laughs> right. but I mean like, the, the labor excuse is also used though by you know uh, marginalized people who have to deal with this stuff all the time right sorry which those I are going to make that right. of course but, yeah, I, yeah, I don't but, need to conflate those but, two but yeah. I think yeah. you know as it's we are facing example. an existential crisis on earth we're all going to die as you said <laughs> yeah I think that's it's kind of labor you, uh, you you have to do but I think also Dan's point is right I mean dare when a cop comes into school and teaches you about drugs it's basically he's basically just telling you which drugs sound best to do <laughs> Like, I mean, that being said, like, fear is a good motivating factor, of course. So it's like you can still, like, use fear in a way that is coercive or persuasive. Yeah. Like, coercive we're all going to die, so we better get our... Fear, fear of, of climate change. change. Yeah, yeah, fear of the check mark. Fear of at Jack well, I, and fear I mean, of climate I can't, change, yeah. I can't go into, you know, the psyches of, of all of the, you know, the people who are into... I don't know what, what, I don't know what we call it. I, I know some people say cancel culture. I, I, I think it, it de- it's definitely deep but again you you can see a lot of parallels if you if you if you can't, you know grew up in, through organized religion uh, institutions you know you see that obsession with purity you see that obsession with judgment you know so i think a lot of again when we're talking about the internet there's probably a lot of people with who might have some sort of trauma right they have they've gone through things and maybe they're they're projecting you have some people who are just maybe jealous and they they want to see some people taken down um, or they like power sort of, which i think any individual who likes power should be like that's suspect. kind of the core enemy of yeah. the left on a really macro could scale could you have instead of a twitter chat mark could you just have like the black hole next to your name <laughs> that's that is what I, have. I know <laughs> that's fine dan you can have that but like they really should they should be like, award you a chat mark or a black hole but isn't the whole problem individuals amassing power yes. like right yeah and that's, that's what i was saying that's what i was trying to say but that's a that's a fundamental you know reality of our existence you know you know scaled globally essentially what socialists are advocating for is maximizing the, the the freedom of the individual, but but understanding that that is tied to 
the experiences and the the livelihood of the collective. That's just a fundamental, you know, reality. You know, right. no, no matter what your worldview is or whatever you want in your life, you know, a communal uh, existence and, and social relations and, and connection, you know, that is... That's how we've we've even made it this far, and you know, a great, as a species to survive. And that's a great definition, base definition for like the social, like the argument for socialism is that mm-hmm. that uh, to be happy as an individual, that happiness is contingent on um, the community that you're in also being stable. So, like, yeah. you have to and you and happy alone. without exploiting yeah. people. Exactly. You know. E- exactly. <laughs> and Rand. <laughs> Died alone. That's. I still want to make a picture of that. I know that's that. still the best. On welfare, also. Died alone on welfare. Alone on welfare in SRO somewhere. I mean, but I mean, even even just I wanted to just say a word. I'm just looking at your site right now, and it's like it's very it's really intuitive, and like just this gesture that you give this like glossary or your ten general rules of thumb, where you throw out all the all this jargon that's being thrown around <laughs> in the liberal sphere, and you just like kind of give your definition, and then at the end. You're like, P.S. Don't take our word for it. Like, dig into Wikipedia so you understand the historical context. <laughs> and I think yeah. these kinds of cues. I mean, like, I think you know, Dan is asking a lot of policy questions, which I think are urgent for socialists in America to be addressing. But I also, right. I mean, for me, like, what is so like you know inspirational about BSA is is its ability to communicate and not like on these "I'm with her" Hillary terms where it's trying to please <laughs> everybody. But I do feel I do feel like it's a it's an in- incredibly like effective and like more like contemporary way of communicating. Uh-huh. And so I don't know, Julian, if that's a pivot to pop culture, but like I, mean, I think that like just the communication. Is this where we talk about me arguing with Elon Musk? You did? I didn't even know you did. That's a good... That's, that's a, a good, good pivot, but yeah. no tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and um, Earl Sweatshirt, you know, showed us love the other day. There's a lot There's a lot of big folks in pop culture who are, who are showing BSA love and who want to get involved, actually. Wait, let me stop you um, right there. Can I just ask you, like, what do you think it is that they see in you? Like, what do you think it is that makes that, like, your signal is cutting through the noise? Because that's a hard thing to do today. I like, mean, I think it has a lot to do with the voice. I, I mean, think I, it just nailed the voice. Totally. <laughs> like, I mean, I can imagine a lot of reasons, but, and, like, but in your, in your, like, own conception of it, like, what do you think it is you're doing well that is, can, like, allowing you, know you to I really cut think through? it is? And, again, this kind of ties into the cancel culture conversation a little bit because... We're engaging with people outside of this world, outside of this left quote leftist world, outside of academia, and we're engaging with people who aren't necessarily perfect. We're we're referencing things that aren't quote pure. These individuals in pop culture or celebrities or whoever it is that's that's engaged. They're seeing an organization that isn't, I guess, rigid in like some, like judgment. That that's also that is also grounded in and connected to pop culture. It, it isn't BSA isn't something that is or is going to be siphoned off into this separate thing, right? We're we're trying to like have a syncretic type relationship with (laughs) spaces and worlds and people and industries outside of 
you know, socialist, quote, socialist organizing and activism or whatever. It's like how uh, AOC basically won not by changing people's minds, but by registering yeah. new voters. Yeah. And yeah. nobody had reached out to those people basically before. And, and, and it, that's actually kind of the best way to win right now is to realize, that's too, the only there are people way to waiting win, for someone to reach that's out. The only way, that's the only way socialism is going to even be on the table for real, for real. I mean, anything. You have to engage with the people. You have to, you have to meet the people where they're at. You know what I mean? Everywhere. You have to meet them where they're at and then inject these liberatory ideas into their environment. That's what you have to do. I think that also means, um, yeah, n like not being married. I, I, I don't know. I keep on coming to this. I mean, I'm a registered socialist. I don't know why I keep on talking about this. I am. I consider myself a socialist. I've always been one. But uh -huh. I do think that we maybe need to like be able to like divorce ourselves from that word because it clearly is a turnoff for a lot of people who otherwise are like uh. widely in favor of a wealth tax, widely in favor of a lot of socialist uh, policies that they just don't think of as socialist. But is that a Wait, thing? but no, no, no. no. Because I think thing? the I think the branding, which is such a like counterintuitive way to talk about it, but I think the branding around socialism is getting better and better. That's and true. Polling, That's true. And polling shows that millennials and under a majority ha prefers socialism as a term over capitalism. capitalism. Right, okay, yeah. sure, but they're not the majority of the voters yet, and we can't like just be like, oh, but demographically one day, and right now there right. are boomers are the majority, and even among those boomers, they would be in support. They still can't. Well, can there can be definition. boomer socialists of America yeah. to work and on that. I mean, boomers but, can't like tell communism from socialism. They or think that they're Trump the same. Like they, right? They think they like because but, yeah, because Trump the way it was branded when they were children. But regardless, I think that's a whether I mean I think we're a bit far can, from can the I part whether we should. Yes. Distance from the Jump term in. socialism. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to say I, I, I do think that's a good point, but it's a multi-pronged sort of thing, right? So we're BSA. We're kind of we're we've uh, we're obviously taking the tell it like it is approach. So you know we're not going to. We have centuries worth of economic and social and you know theory and analyses that point us in a general direction and use these terms socialism capitalism communism anarchism whatever you want to call it and we also have traditions so we're 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 not going to just sort of cut all of that off we're we're going to play off of it take it and and use it to our advantage now that said i think the the approach or at least my personal philosophy is, you know, call it whatever you want to call it, right? But right. At, at the end of the day, we need to be talking about the same core sets of values, principles, and structures. It is important to keep people directed or to, like, keep the branding clear. I, I remember talking to... When I was doing this documentary about seasteading, there was an interview with this like Texas oil man and he described his like ideal political system and it was basically like fully automated luxury communism, but he called it futurist republicanism. And I think yeah. like, if you yeah. allow people a little bit too much freedom with their nomenclature, they might come to the same conclusions, but just be like 
absolutely opposed to you politically just because they don't understand that. And I do think that's a real threat with these types of economic uh, politics specifically because they they can hinge on the politics of resentment very easily. That's something, of course, the populists love to, you know, exploit. And look at like Tucker Carlson doing the same thing. Uh, Tucker Carlson supporting the wealth tax, supporting the 70% marginal. But I think that's that's a perfect illustration of this pivot that the right wing is so much, they're so much more willing to to do that tax or maintain power than the Democrats would be. The Democrats are actually like true believers in in liberalism in a way that Republicans are just craving. Right. I think yeah. that's the difference. Absolutely. So you got Earl Sweatshirt co-signed. You argued with Elon Musk. Noam Chomsky yeah. endorsed you, but we tell us the oh, Elon yeah. Musk and story. No, yeah. And the Noam co-signed. Yeah, that's good. That's really cool. Yeah. But like, wait, okay. I love Noam. Tell, uh, yeah, he's 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 really amazing. <laughs> well, actually, Chomsky I mean, maybe God, baby. <laughs> maybe, maybe to just like, I mean, one thing, of course, I mean. Black music, right? Looking at the like rap yeah. landscape is hyper capitalist. Yeah. I I mean, can, yeah. Is there? A, can you imagine a socialist like rap? Is there? I mean, do you, is Earl Sweatshirt actually? Do you think are, are there certain artists maybe who you think are pivoting more in an anti-capitalist direction? And do you think uh, also? I mean, I I think also rap kind of needs like a political refresher. But it can't yeah. just be like backpacker shit like it yeah. was in the 90s. Right, like how to make it not tweet also, right? Yeah. Like well, let me let me uh, this that's that's a great point. Let me let me put it this way, you know. Think about someone like Kendrick Lamar. Right? right. He's right. No, he's someone who people associate, you know, his music with being being able to be listenable and it and it's hard hitting, but he's still saying something. Right. I have I have problems with Kendrick Lamar. I mean, because essentially, if you really analyze his music, and I've especially now, it really fits into a, a very liberal, you know, framework. You know, it really fits into there. It's not it's not ra- it's not radical in any any way, shape, or form. And he he clearly has an aversion to sort of even getting into that territory, which is a shame. It's disappointing for me, not just as a music listener, but as someone who makes music also. And but to answer your question, it, you know. It, it essentially, yeah, I think I think hip hop, like I think rap, can go in the direction of what Public Enemy or N.W.A. or Tupac Shakur were, and maybe be more precise, more nuanced, more. You know, they they were very explicit, right? We I think what we need is that explicit, you know, that that explicitness, but it it has to be accurate, it has to be on point, um, and in terms of the political ideology that's there. Um, I'm a big uh, Rage Against the Machine fan. I still I listen to them regularly um, because I, I you know as a music listener I, I I'm craving that you know that type of music right now and it's it's really dark to me that that there isn't anything out there really hitting at that level like hitting on all all cylinders something that that's hard hitting that's powerful but the ideological content is also there and it's also refined and it's also on point you know i I do think it's sad that people's conception of an artist that does that is someone like killer mike who i've done back and forth with him through the bsa twitter account you know what i mean because he's a capitalist you know what i mean and he'll in the same breath of quoting fred hampton 
or something. He'll 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 try and defend capitalism. He's a he's a walking contradiction. I'm not trying to start a, a beef or something on on this. Podcast, I would love to have more beef it, hosted yeah. on it this upsets, podcast. That's... It upsets me. You know what I mean? No, like, what that was that picture me. of like um of like Jay Z like and Puff Daddy being like it's not about the billions, oh it's about like doing something owning great, the culture, yeah, I mean, owning the culture, whatever that was. It was just like oh, such a miss. So gross. Come on. Yeah, yeah and I, 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 I'm, I'm hopeful that, I'm hopeful, hopeful that we can, we can get some, some shit out there that, that's actually, again, like on point, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still making music, but you know, it's, it's hard to, to balance you know, the creative life with the, the kind of work that I'm doing yeah, now sure. or whatever. I mean, this um, is not exactly the same, but I think like being a billionaire is just not cool. It's like really embarrassing yeah. at this point. It's not aspirational. <laughs> and I mean, even like Howard Schultz saying like, oh, we shouldn't refer to us as billionaires. Oh Pe- my people God. of means. And that's the thing. I was people just thinking about that the other day. I was like, wealthy people don't even call each other wealthy. They definitely don't use the word rich. No. And they don't use the word wealthy. They say... You're well off. Or people of, yeah, people of means. Or, I you're of means. Of but, means. But that falls right into this sort of atomized, like, oh, let's throw some taboos you're around language, the, yeah. around a thing, right, and right, then right. defend it on the platform where <laughs> right. we can. Right. I mean, I just think that, like, okay, even exploits the structure. probably even five, six years ago, it was like, Tech billionaires, they earned it because they're really innovative. I mean, disruptive. kind of earned it. I mean, kind of. No, okay, I'm not saying that right. they did. Nobody that was... earned a billion exactly. dollars. No, 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 exactly. no. I'm not trying to argue I think that. The earning gets off at like a million from I'm, me. Well, exactly. <laughs> I'm saying that's, that, that, that culturally yes, right, right, that right. was there. Now, like the idea of banning billionaires, that seems mainstream to me at this point. And I think right. even right wing people, probably a lot of them polling would be like, yeah, okay, no. There's just no practical reason for no, it. No, there's no benefit. There isn't. There isn't. I still don't get the sense that I still don't get the sense that people really feel or understand that though. I mean, the capitalist class clearly doesn't. Um, I think that could that there could be some I mean, you you know, you saw with AOC, you know, her her statement on billionaires. So there there could be a sort of more macro ideological shift on that one. But I, I still feel like uh, I don't know. I guess I guess there is there's a generational component to it because millennials know they're fucked for the most part, I think. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of less prone to be like, you know, I'm here in my garage with my Lamborghini here. You know, they're, they're not going <laughs> to. They are. They're, they're on TikTok. I feel like that's still TikTok culture. That. But you know, it's still it's still out there. So, but yeah, in terms of in terms of like you know hip hop or or music, I put together this this thread recently on Marx's base and superstructure theory, basically explaining how, in a somewhat broad sense, how capitalism has fucked over art. And this is this is something that I'm already having conversations with with people in the music industry about and, and people in entertainment about, you know, we, if, if we can create new relations between talented artists, cooperative you know, relations in, you know, we can we can essentially I think we can essentially render the the record industry as it is now just completely irrelevant it's irrelevant probably to people like us I'm the mainstream record you know recording industry or whatever but t- in a very tangible sense i think we can start to put forward not just new art but basically create new subcultures create new media platforms that all reinforce each other and all have this again these these democratic cooperative 
relations at the at the roots. I mean, there's definitely you know? a lot of different people who are thinking about this. I mean, one of the good things oh, yeah, of, of, of blockchain, right, is that like it actually yeah, yeah. did inspire people. For a second, everyone had cash. So it did inspire people <laughs> to like leave their jobs doing whatever for whatever yeah. dead-end company and take a chance on something. I mean, to some degree, new models included. But like, I yeah. think that one cool thing we're seeing now um, is that a lot of people are starting their own sites, whether it's the BSA site, which is like a very you know informative node it's like facebook is not you know is not ground zero any longer people are yeah. making like community structures so that's encouraging artists should obviously have they're going to have uh independence and they're going to be able to do more because of technology and the internet but i do think that there should be some communal component to how we're creating and some sort of cohesion in terms of how we're creating and relating to each other in order to you know have have something out there shaping people's thinking and and sort of enriching popular culture again all of this what i'm saying it really does intersect with the more macro conversation that we have about capitalism and about you know building uh, a socialist society building a cooperative society is there any any like pop cultural stuff you're working on you want to talk about or anything else you want to plug? I mean, basically where we're at with, with, with BSA now is we're, we're trying to work on something for 2020, not in terms of getting involved in, in the, the election spectacle, but basically engaging with it in a way that brings attention toward, you know, to, I guess, the deeper sort of mission of our organization. And a part of that entails outlining what these quote non-reformist reforms are what i was referencing before so we have some folks you know in one of our working groups working on putting forward materials on that end but the, the biggest thing that we're working on and we should be unveiling in the next month or so i, I can't talk about it but yeah. it's really really fucking epic okay. and uh, well we're super excited to hear. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for it. We got one one month too early. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I have a question though that that like is is related to that. Like, so we saw you know there being the 20, 2016 election was a disaster, and you know there was so much misinformation, disinformation on the platform. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, there you go. Is, is there anything you guys are actively doing, whether it's just an education thing or whether it's something that's mm-hmm. like more specific strategically? Like, or are there any tactics that you are implementing to make sure that the people that are tuned in to BSA are not going to be so vulnerable to this like platform manipulation, media manipulation? Yeah, I, I actually haven't really gotten. To, to speak about it much in this conversation, but, you know, uh, I mentioned way in the, be- the, the beginning uh, about how our focus is, you know, our primary focus is education. Right. And a part of that, you know, we have to have a conversation about uh, propaganda. We're, we're trying to create a propaganda machine, essentially. We're trying to push on, on a, um, a mass education in the form of, you know, infotainment. Right. You know, and that's a that's a huge reason why we're really 
asking people to lend us more financial support um, donations because, you know, people have been asking us to do video essays and podcasts and, and you know, we're, we're going to do all of that stuff. But to really build something that's self-sustaining and something that can be ongoing, you know, we just we and, and to, to have it be of a certain quality, which is that's really important uh, right. for me personally. You know, we, we just we need more more resources. And and it, it's really is crazy when you think about it, because the, the platform that we have now, that, that's really just been off of curation. You know, it's really been off of. Signal to noise, just filtering. I mean, people need expert filters. It's like something we believe very strongly um, in new models. It's like, listen, it's not up to the algorithm to tell your community what it should be listening to. It's up to people who really care about building a community to say, this article, this writer, this conversation, focus on this. Listen, we'll do the work for you. And that is labor. That is like, that is total labor. And I mean, I think you're right when you say, say that like, you know, having funds to produce something that is professional quality. So it doesn't come off as some like, you know, DIY, whatever, but it has a, it has, it signifies authority to different generations and like, it feels substantial and like, it might seem like a superficial trick, but it actually has weight. Yeah. It's, it's super, it's super important. Again, you know, that, that conversation about accessibility is that's an important one and and it's like look at what look at what we've done so far just again with these ideas and putting them out on the web imagine if we did have the resources and the manpower to start developing very tailored original educational materials whether they be static you know on a site whether they be books whether it be a journal uh, you know, video content. I mean, it's it's very, the possibilities are endless. We're going to have involvement from celebrities, people in pop culture, which, you know, you don't really see in amongst the American left. Again, right. there's, there's no, no there's a total, that, that, that doesn't really exist absolutely. in my view. Absolutely. Um, That's you have so individuals cool. that maybe leftist comedians or something where they, they have, you know, cool people on. Sarah Silverman or whatever, but it's not surprising. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, in terms of uh, a plug, I don't know if I have anything outside of our website, blacksocialist.us, and we're at Black Socialists everywhere online. And, you know, if you're trying to, to, to keep up with, with what we're doing, those are the, the best places that, that you can find us. And something else really quick, um, essentially throughout the country, you have these things called small business uh, development centers. And they basically help people to start co-ops um to, to they, they teach them about worker co-ops and we're, we're, we're showcasing cooperation jackson there is a larger vision that they're pushing on and it, and it deals with community land trust it deals with people's assemblies it deals with all of these different things so we're showcasing that but we're also trying to politicize these these types of institutions like small business development centers we're helping people to to develop on this economic democracy in a in a political way that isn't going to contribute to whatever whatever they're doing being co-opted by capital right and um 
What about so what about like the so you know a lot of people now are freelancers whether that's you drive Uber or like yeah, you work for yeah. Amazon on a part time or you work as a copy editor or whatever a lot of people especially in their twenties are freelancers so you know you, there's something there's like I know I know there's like a freelancers union in the U S but like where where what does somebody who like just who's in their twenties what do they can they tap into this network or like how do they organize? Let's say they're not necessarily part of a union. When we're done with what we're doing, everybody's going to be able to tap in. That that's that's basically all I can say on that okay. one. Okay, this is super exciting. You'll, you'll see, and we'll you'll link see. we'll link to this site too on the podcast because I think I I really do love your ten point ten point statement. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's just uh, it's nine I mean, points, but you know, there are nine points. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it still it still just feels like like. <laughs> this refuge of clarity right in the current political landscape and uh, yeah. to me it really it's crazy out here right yeah, yeah. It's crazy it's so, so where's crazy. the rationality where is the where's the sense where's the humanity it's not out here you know what i mean no no, the value of a clear signal, I think, is, yeah, way underestimated. So just the fact <laughs> you guys are putting a message which is coherent out there, I mean, I feel like, I mean, I know, you know, as things move along, it's going to be interesting to talk policy on a more granular level. But I think uh-huh. just to send out that signal and to represent an idea in super macro terms is something that's incredibly valuable for, I mean, for at least the left, I have to say. So, or whatever, Absolutely. whatever you would call, yeah, like our landscape, so. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to, we really have to start questioning some very fundamental values and assumptions that we, we have, you know what I mean? That have been passed down to us that we've been conditioned under. Right. And Capitalism. I think that's really <laughs> inherently racist. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and understand, you know, and that relationship between racism and capitalism, understanding that and, and patriarchy, all of those things, understanding how they're all feeding off of each other. And, and, you know, intersectionality is a term that's already been co-opted by liberals, right? They, they take, they take that word and they just, they, they, they just flick that class bit out of it. Right. So they're, they're talking about sexism and racism and all these different things, right. but then they don't talk about classism. Absolutely. Right? Well, it's like, yeah. they get to pick which intersection. I was just going to gonna say that. Yeah. yeah. Like intersectionality becomes like shopping. And it's like, you know, yeah. which which one do you want, want today? The, which one makes you the, the most happy this, today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But we're 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 dealing with the whole enchilada. We're dealing with the whole goddamn thing. And it's hard. It's very hard. Um, and it's very challenging. And people really still don't understand and they get confused. And people, you know, can try and misconstrue you know, misconstrue or twist around what, what we're saying. Um, but that's that's what we need to do. We have to just deal with it all, and we have to you know move forward in that way. So, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the cast. Thank and, you. Um, thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's really inspiring. And like, anyway, we can we can continue to amplify your signal. Like, we're we're down and um, and yeah. Like, I don't know. I what really it, appreciate that. And yeah. Everybody at BSA appreciates it, and people at Cooperation Jackson appreciate it for real. Thank you for listening to this episode of New Models. Huge thank you to Z from Black Socialists of America. You can find them at Black Socialists on social media and via their website, blacksocialists.us. 
New Models Central Aggregator site is newmodels.io. Consider setting us as your homepage. And our Patreon community with more Patreon-only podcast episodes is at patreon.com slash newmodels. As always, some shout-outs to everyone who sent us tips and contributions for the New Models site. Jack Tarpey, Eric Lawler, at Rob Gaudio, at springbreak1944, relevant.community, anonymous, at Helveticade, and Stefan Dillamuth for hosting us last weekend in Munich. This episode of New Models was recorded at our studio in Prenzlauerberg, Berlin, Germany. Our hosts are myself, Lil Internet, New Models co-founder Caroline Busta, and artist Daniel Keller. Audio editing and all music composed by myself, Lil Internet. Thanks again to Z and Black Socialists of America, found at Black Socialists and BlackSocialists.us. See you next episode.